Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, ho, 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 and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Father Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Phil can't be here. What are you doing? Ho, ho. Oh, he's, he's back. Get out of my chair. Oh, oh, gotta go, Mike. Get out of here, Santa, you idiot. And I'm Phil Edwards. Now, you know, I, you know, I know you always tell the listeners, Phil, how like we never compare our endings so that we don't know what what each other's endings are like but i want to make clear to the listeners that we don't plan anything about this show so when yeah, you do yeah. stuff like that it completely catches me off guard well it caught me off guard i just i just popped out for a second came back there's a guy in a red suit and he's, he's sitting at my desk i've never seen him before unbelievable i think, I think he's gone well no yeah the sledge is just gone the sledge is just taken off all right well i'm glad to hear that yeah. Whoa. Did I miss anything? Uh, no, I was just about to tell everybody listening that it is our annual Christmas episode where we are going to do an after the ending for a Christmas movie, share our top 10 Christmas films of the 80s, and also we have a special mini feature that is holiday themed as well. So uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everybody listening, no matter what you celebrate. We love you, and we hope everyone's having a happy holiday season. That's what you missed. That's all. Just getting ready to tell people that. We're doing a Christmas episode. <laughs> Oh, no. Yes. Yes, we are. Ah, no. Okay. Let me quickly write something. No, no, of course I knew it was the Christmas episode because we are at least that professional. Yes. Yeah. That's as as far as the planning goes. But as far as like things like like bits and conversational pieces and stuff, it's all all off the cuff. So, Phil, you you, you keep me on my toes. That's for sure. That's it. So, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and uh, whatever all the other festivities that you'll be celebrating. Or if you're not celebrating, that's cool as well, just as long as you have a nice time with your friends, family, and loved ones. Whatever you're doing, make it a good one, and be kind and lovely to everyone. Exactly. And I should mention, this is our last episode of the year. It is. Yeah, we're going to take a couple weeks off. Last last year, we did some mini episodes in the break, uh, and that didn't really give us much of a break, it turns out. Yeah. So uh, we're taking a few weeks off. We will be back in the be- very beginning of January, uh, and you will have episodes filling your your you know podcast inbox again but this is a good chance for us to just recharge it things get so busy at the end of the year it's hard to find time for us to get together to record to edit to do all that stuff and and if any of the listeners out there are behind then this gives them a chance to get caught up on some episodes without feeling like they're falling further behind so we're going to take a, a short break and then we'll be back yes because i mean Lots of you probably don't have time to listen to podcasts over the Christmas period anyway, but we've got 70 at 7-0, 70 full episodes for you to go back and listen to anyway. So I'm sure there's probably one or two that you've not listened to. So uh, you can always fill your festive stocking. Festive stocking? Yeah, why not? No, your festive yeah, podcast if, stocking. Yeah, yeah, festive podcast stocking with lots and lots 
of me and Mike going after the ending of all your favorite films and lots of films you probably don't like, but our endings will make them even better. That's right. Respect. That's right. So this is our, our Holly Jolly episode, and we are going to kick things off with an after the ending of one of my favorite movies of all time. Not just one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, one of my favorite movies, period, of all time. So, Phil, tell people what we have in store coming up right now. Yes, we are going to go after the ending of just one Christmas film, but it is Miracle on 34th Street and the original one from 1947. That's the one that stars Edmund Gwen, Maureen O'Hara, John Payne, and the young Natalie Wood. Yes, yes. It is uh, a classic in every sense of the word. And what I love about this movie is obviously it makes sense to watch it at Christmas time, but no matter when you watch it, it's such a good film that you could watch it in the middle of July and it's still every bit as magical and charming and wonderful as it is at Christmas time. It really is such a terrific movie. And if it's one of those movies like. It's a Wonderful Life where everyone's like, oh, I've seen it, but you've only seen it in bits and pieces or you haven't yeah. watched it in like 30 years. Do yourself a favor this this holiday season and go back and rewatch it. It is just fantastic. That's an excellent point because there's lots of people who, you know, yeah, I've seen them as they, seen these films when they were kids or they've seen them bits and pieces. But it's when you do sit down and finally sit and watch them again after a few years and you go, you just get drawn into it and you just get washed washed away with the lovely uh, you know, spirit of it all. And you, you realize just how good these films are. And they are classics for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that said, Phil, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a, a quick breakdown of the events of Miracle on 34th Street. Okay, when a nice old man who claims to be Santa Claus is institutionalized as insane, a young lawyer decides to defend him by arguing in court that here's the real thing. And things work out okay. <laughs> that is a brief synopsis. <laughs> yeah, but it, it basically, it's an old guy works in Macy's department store uh, as a Father Christmas, but and then he claims he's the real Santa, and people go, oh, he's a bit crazy, obviously, and then it's uh, he gets some, some friends to defend him, and people start believing in him, and it all goes, people just start getting behind the case, the, the postal service get involved, and then the little girl who believes him all along, she always said she wanted this house, and then at the end of the film... You, you know, you sort of go, it's still, it's it's saying that he is the real Father Christmas, but he, even then you're going, well, is he or not? And then they go to the house uh, and they see the guy's walking stick at the corner of the house and they realize that maybe he actually really was after all. And we should just mention for the endings that the, the main characters besides, you know, Chris Kringle, of course, were uh, Fred and Doris, the sort of couple at, at play, and then Susan, the little girl, she's sort of the kind of the main, main character of the film. Uh, so those are their names, just in case they come up in our endings. Yes, thank you very much. Phil, why don't you go ahead and give us your day after? Okay, then. The New Year sees Fred and Doris buying the dream house, and Susan is delighted. On a cold February morning, Fred and Doris are married, and life is good for them. Fred had been in a few newspapers after the court case, and although a few of his colleagues joke about it, his quick thinking and loyalty skills earn him a promotion. However, there's one condition. He has to deal with all the cranks, and there are a lot of them. <laughs> Numerous people see Fred asking to prove that they are the real deal. They claim that they are the likes of Robin Hood, Pan, Sherlock Holmes, Zeus, the Tooth Fairy, multiple Jesuses, with a cheese eye, <laughs> uh, aliens, time travellers and more. Some just want to get their name in the papers. Some have genuine problems, but Fred sees them all. because He feels he owes it to Chris. He tries to help as many people as he can. Some just want someone to listen to them, and others he refers to doctors or psychiatrists. Things gradually quieted down, and Fred, Doris, and Susan realize that they've not seen or heard from Chris since Christmas. Then one day in October, Fred gets a visitor. 
A small, strange-looking man wearing a hat two sizes too big. Fred gets them both a hot drink. Mr. Gailey, so glad you can see me, said the little man. My name is Bernard. Chris sent me. There's a problem. What is it, asked Fred. Bernard took a drink and then said, Krampus is coming. <laughs> That's my day after. All right, I like it. I like it. Thank you. I always like a little, a little Krampus action. Oh, Krampus is, is cracking. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Mm. Okay then, so that was mine. What, what happened with your day after? All right, well, after Chris Kringle says his goodbyes to Fred, Doris, and Susan, he makes his way back to his sled, hidden on the outskirts of New York City. His once-a-century trip into the mortal human world once again proved to be a success. He'd been walking among the people of the world once every hundred years to make sure that humanity was still deserving of all the presents he delivered every Christmas Eve. He was pleased to see that humanity on the whole was still filled with wonder and kindness. He climbs in his sleigh, gives the city a wave, and flies off into the night sky. As he travels back to the North Pole, he reflects on his journey. He's lost in thought and never sees the projectile that strikes his sleigh, sending him spiraling to the ground. The sleigh crashes with tremendous impact, and moments after it comes to a stop, it explodes. Oh, no. And that's where we're going to leave it for now. Ho, ho, what? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. Thank you. Thank you. I like him having like a centennial visit to Earth. That's good. Yeah, it kind of makes sense that he wants to check up on people once Mm. once every so often and make sure they still deserve it. He does a lot of work to get all his presents around the world every single year. So I think he's got to do a little quality control, you know? Yeah, yeah. If people are all just a bunch of crap bags, then I don't think he's eventually going to stop bringing them presents. Crap bags, I like that. Thank you, thank you. That's good. Yeah. Keeping it holly and jolly in our Christmas episode. (laughs) All right, well, Phil, tell us about your immediate aftermath then. Bernard explained that it was great what Fred had done for Chris. Many people now believed in Santa all the more and magic was returning to the world. But as with all things, there had to be a balance. Santa and Krampus had both become folklore, but that had changed with the court case. Santa was becoming real for many, and Krampus would not stand for it. The ancient creature punished children who had misbehaved, but to bring him back to power, Chris and Bernard realised he would be bringing horror to this year's Christmas. Fred laughed. That, that's a great story, but I'm going to have to get, a, get on with my work. Chris thought you'd say that, said Bernard, as he took something out of his coat. Is that a snow globe, said Fred? Bernard nodded and shook the globe. It began to glow. Well, would you look at that, said Fred. Everything went black. And he was suddenly somewhere else. That's my immediate aftermath. Mm, I like it. I like Thank it. You. A little Santa magic there. C- certainly, yes. What's going on then with you? Then uh, Santa's been blown out of the sky. Well, Santa looks around, dazed. He managed to crawl from the wreckage of his sleigh right before it exploded, but he's bloody and battered. He looks around, taps into his St. Nick navigational sixth sense, and realizes he's in the hostile land of Valverde. Inspecting the wreckage, he realizes that the projectile that struck him was a surface-to-air missile. He figures he probably only has a short time before whoever shot him down comes looking for their prize. Using the flaming wreckage and a small dose of Santa magic, he forges a staff shaped like a candy cane with razor-sharp ends on both sides. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Then he recites Old World North Pole incantations that will imbue it with magic, and with a flash of blinding light, he finds himself holding the ancient lance of the mistletoe once again. He hasn't had to wield it since the elf uprising of 1491, but it feels like he never let it go. Hello, old friend, he says to the lance, just as an attack force of the people who shot him down becomes visible on the horizon. With a dark smile on his face, Santa growls, bring it on, bitches. Now, I don't know that that I necessarily buy that Santa would use colorful language like that, but I just had this image in my head of Santa Claus standing there saying, bring it on, bitches, and I couldn't get rid of it. So it goes in the ending. I love that. It's just, uh, 
Yeah, you can imagine when Santa, you know, first started back in the day, in the in the dark old days, when you know there was terrible things. Right. He, he must have. He must have been tough. He must have had those kind of things and using using ancient magic. I like that. That's what I'm saying. I, I think 99 percent of the time he's the Chris Kringle from Miracle on 34th Street, but one percent of the time when he has to be, he's a total badass. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Cool. Well, let's hear then how this is all going to wrap up with uh, Santa and Krampus and Fred. So take us through your long term. Okay, Fred looked around. He was in a cosy log cabin. A fire was blazing in the hearth, and in front of it were two comfy chairs. He was alone. Fred wandered to the window in a daze. Looking out, all he could see was snow and ice. The sound of bells behind him... Oh, you, you, you're getting all the money out of that special sound effect, aren't you? <laughs> the sound made Fred turn. Now sitting in one of the chairs was Santa. Chris, said Fred, is that you? Chris nodded. Good to see you again, Fred. I'm so sorry about all of this. What the hell is all this? said Fred. How did I get here? What's going on? Why'd you look all magical? Chris waited for Fred to finish. It's all real, isn't it? This is the North Pole. You're really Santa, said Fred as he stumbled to the other chair and sat down. Chris passed him a mug of hot chocolate. Yes, it's all real, said Chris. So why didn't you do magic stuff during the court case? asked Fred. There's a difference between belief and facts, explained Chris. Belief gives people like us strength and brings magic to the world. People can explain away facts. That's why I need your help. Chris waited for his friend to gather himself and then spoke about what was to come. Chris, his elves and other magical creatures were preparing to battle Krampus and his horde. Chris mentioned how they still had weapons left over from the Martian attack. Chris needed Fred to track down Krampus's earthly form as he felt it would try and follow Chris's court case with its own to gain power that way. Fred began pointing out various problems with the whole scenario and said the plan was full of plot holes. Chris laughed. That's the nature of myths and legends. Now are you with me? Fred nodded and they shook hands. The battle for Christmas had begun. Oh, nice. I like uh, it. That's my after the end. I like it. Very good. Thank you very much. So what's going on then with yours then? We've got we've got a badass Santa and there was it the uh, the Lance of the Mistletoe? Yes, the Lance of the Mistletoe. Exactly. The Lance of the Mistletoe and he's got a he's got an army heading towards him. That's right. Bring it home, Mike. All Bring right, it home. Here we go. Santa stands out of breath, his red uniform even more crimson as it's spattered with the blood <laughs> of the killers. <laughs> At his feet are the bodies of dozens of men who came to capture or kill him. Santa uses the Kringle sight to look inside of each man's soul and see that each one of them was a lifelong member of the naughty list. <laughs> Santa catches his breath, then looks further into the horizon. He realizes that he's in a land that is populated almost entirely by people on the naughty list. Speaking to nobody in particular, he says, Everyone's always singing about peace on earth. Time to give humanity the present they're asking for. <laughs> Twenty hours later, Santa emerges from the jungles of Valverde, bloodied, battered, and beaten, but victorious. The scourge of Valverde has been wiped from the earth. Not one naughty listee didn't get what Santa promised to deliver. Using his emergency tinsel transponder, Santa sends a message to the elves at the North Pole, who promptly come and pick him up. How is your trip into the mortal world? asks his elf pilot. Well, Nipsey, it was productive, Santa says. Let's head home. As they fly back to the North Pole, Santa pulls out a pen and paper and starts writing a letter. Dear Susan, it was so lovely to meet you and your family, it begins. Then he takes a sip of eggnog and starts cheerily humming jingle bells as they fly into the night. Oh, that was brilliant. Thank you, thank you. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I know, right? I'd love to see Ed, Edmund Gwen 
from the original oh, film yeah. doing that, being a kid. You know, just seeing my dad's going, come on. <laughs> uh, you could just see, you know, he's got all sorts of Christmas-related weaponry. Right, right. Yeah, I like the idea of, like, Santa Claus, like, out in the middle of the jungle, like, just taking on all these, like, mercenaries with, like, you know, the Jeeps with the mountain machine guns, and he's just using all his Santa weapons to yeah, take them all it, down. It's, be, it's still it'll be in the red and white suit, but he's right. got, like, because there's magic, he goes all, like, Predator style. Yeah, right. And it's, just like red, out of it's like red and white camouflage, you know? You, you just hear the jingle bell just as he appears. <laughs> right. Uh, I want to see uh, that. That's a movie we should make. Arnie, Arnie, <laughs> yeah, if you're yeah. listening, he's getting up there in age. He could perfectly pull this he's, off. He's, he's the perfect age for it. He's, he's got to come back. He's got to do like uh, Father Christmas, right? Takes on, you know, in an '80s style action movie. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be so good. So that wraps up uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah, I like the way we both kept them really Christmassy. Oh yes, yes. I think we really both kept true to the spirit of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. This this warm family movie. I mean, I I don't think either of us veered away from that. No, no, totally. Both had that charm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the loveliness. Yeah. Something that you know your kids are going to watch and love as well. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, Phil, do you have any trivia on 34th Street? Hi. <laughs> uh, Edmund Gwen, he played Santa in the film, but he also played Santa in the real Macy's Thanksgiving Parade in November 1946. Oh. And they used that footage in the actual film itself, but, you know, at the time people didn't realise what was going on. Uh, during the shoot, Natalie Wood thought that Edmund was the real Santa. Oh, that's cool. And the cast and crew all loved him, saying he was a really nice guy. And Maureen O'Hara said, by the time we were halfway through the shoot, we all believed Edmund really was Santa Claus. He just Everybody just seems to genuinely love the guy. He really is fantastic in that role. Yeah. I mean, he makes that movie. Oh, totally. Is that twinkle in his eye, just the way he does it? Yeah. It's beautiful. When they filmed outside, the winter was so cold in New York City that the cameras actually froze. Wow. Apparently, when the film was released, Macy's closed for a half day so that their employees could go and see it. Wow. That's a that's a, nice. a, a mark of another time. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, the film received a B rating, which was for morally objectionable in part, and that was from the Legion of Decency. And the reason it got the B rating was because Maureen O'Hara played a divorcee. So, yeah, <laughs> definitely a film of its time. Yeah. 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 Wow. But that is... Miracle on 34th Street. Excellent. All right. Well, let's move on then. It's time for the return of the long missing. That's not missing because we, we did away with it, but the return of the long gone Mighty Morphing mini feature. Phil, why don't you tell people what we're doing for this, uh, this one-off mini feature? Yes, we're going to be doing the best Easter scenes from films. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are going to be doing uh, the top five Christmas presents that we would like to give to film characters. Yeah, should be fun. Kind of like, you know, what what would you get, you know, what would you get Captain America for Christmas? You know, that type of thing. So, yeah. uh, so this is what we come up with. Yes. So do you want to, do you want to kick things off? Sure thing. So my first gift is for Edward Scissorhands and it is a jumbo pack of tennis balls. So he can put them on the ends of his scissor hands <laughs> like old people do with their walkers. And then he can stop cutting up his face all the time. That's excellent. I like that. I could just, I could just see that. <laughs> you know, just like. You gotta do something with those things, you know. It makes it hard. Yeah. Like he can take them off, you know. They're and then because they're easy, you just kind of like you can just scrape them off with your other hands. Yeah. But then when yeah. you're ready, you just go do 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 do, and then you stick them all on again, you know. So yeah, and you're safe. You're safe. Right. Exactly. So yeah, kids, if any of you out there have got uh, scissors for hands, yeah, just ask your parents trouble, for tennis balls for Christmas. Tennis balls, and you're laughing, yeah. Okay, I like that one. Mine is uh, some. My first one is some throat lozenges for Christian Bale's Batman. <laughs> and some painkillers for Tom Hardy's bang. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yes, I don't know you why know. you think he would need some lozenges. Swear to me! I'm Batman! <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I'll oh, just give me a minute. 
because there's ba- Christian Bale's Batman voice. I loved it as well. The way you know Batman begins, it's it's there. I'm Batman, and then it just goes on. And by Dark Knight Rises, oh yeah, it's, it's just he's just going, yeah. Bah, bah, bah. yeah, and then they they like boost the bass on his voice so much too that like all you hear Can't, like he opens yeah. his mouth and all you hear is bah, bah, like this low bah, bah. rumble. And then of course you got Bane who's in agony the whole time, right? Oh, oh, <laughs> I got uh, I got to say Phil, that that didn't sound like agony. No. Sounds a that's little bit Bane. like like Perviota's cousin. No, that's how pain. That's pain and agony. That's I, voice you know. Oh, I'm in so much pain. Oh, that's the spot. <laughs> oh, we are we are off the rails now. <laughs> oh, ho ho. I shouldn't have had this eggnog. Yeah, seriously. What'd you put in it? I, I'm joking. I've got eggnog. I'm British. <laughs> It's not a British. Oh, that's right. We talked about that. No, I'm British. I've got a cup of tea and a bottle of whiskey. Oh, okay. Well, that works. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Yes. So that was. Uh, what's your next one? Okay. Well, my next one is for Cole Sear, which is Haley Joel Osment's character in The Sixth Sense, and it is a pair of noise canceling headphones, so he can get some <laughs> peace and quiet from all those dead people to keep bothering him all the time. Yeah. Hey, over here. I'm dead. Help me. Right. I'm helping. Yeah. Can you help me? <laughs> Busy listening to after the ending on my headphones right now. Can't hear anything that's going on. Noise canceling. That's all. Just give him a little piece once in a while. And we did go after the ending of The Sixth Sense, didn't we? Yeah. So if you want someone to listen to this after this one, go back. Go back in the list. You'll find it down there somewhere. And then just think of how different the movie would have been if he had noise-canceling headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, right. If Bruce Willis had had a good toupee. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. What's your next one? Okay. Mine is for RJ McCready from The Thing, and it is a lie detector. <laughs> I like that. Or... That was actually, uh, my daughter suggested that one. Oh, very cool. I like she, it. She said that, yeah, even though she's too young to watch the thing, she right. hasn't seen it. Right. I'm not going to let her watch it. But also, uh, I thought you'd also have a no dogs allowed sign, <laughs> uh, which if they'd had that, that would have stopped the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing, you know, no pun intended. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the thing dog would have seen that and gone, oh, damn, I can't go in. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's what would have happened. That's, that's how that would have gone. You're right. Yeah, that's how it worked. <laughs> okay, <laughs> So what's uh, what's your next one? All right, my next one is for Leonard, the main character of Christopher Nolan's Memento, and it is an Apple Watch. So he can stop tattooing <laughs> all of his memories on himself, but yet still have all the information he needs on his person at all times. I like that. I thought about getting him like an iPad or something, but then I was like, well, he might lose it, but an Apple Watch, it's strapped to his body, so like he can lay off on all the tattoos, you know, and maybe start to look normal again, but he still has all of his memories right right at the tap of a button on his wrist. So Yeah, and he could take photos and everything. Yeah. He'd have to he'd have to remember. The only tattoo he'd have to have was don't forget to charge the Apple <laughs> right, Watch. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the film wouldn't have been as good though, really. Oh no, it would have been crap most likely. But, yeah. but and, and people would have been saying, I think Apple might have sponsored this one. Right. Yeah. 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 Little product placement. By the by the way, uh, by the way, for listeners, Apple is not a sponsor, but Apple, if you want to get in touch. Yeah, but they certainly could be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, we got a spot for you, Apple. Yeah, yeah, anytime. <laughs> okay. Uh, my next one is for Jack Skellington from a, a Nightmare Before Christmas. And it is a book about Christmas, the history and traditions of Christmas, and why, you know, Christmas can only be kept to people from Christmas land. Right. That's a very a very smart idea. So he doesn't go mucking yeah. things up again. Yeah, because he's doing all that experimentation. All he had to do is go to a library, something like that, and it would have all been sorted out. Right, right. All right, well, my next one is a gift for Luke Skywalker, Ooh. and it is a Tauntaun sleeping bag <laughs> made from the finest oh, genuine it. Tauntaun hide. It'll keep him warm on cold nights on his lonely island that he's living on now, and it will remind him of those warm times when Han Solo saved his life on Hoth. I thought, I thought it felt bad. On the outside. Exactly. 
So I think I think Luke could use that. That, that island he's on in, in the Last Jedi, which uh, doesn't hasn't opened yet as we record this, but in the trailers, of course, we've seen him. Uh, it looks like it could get cold there, so I thought this might come in handy. Yeah, definitely. I like that. I do like that one. Uh, yeah, my next one. It's actually for a, a, lo- a load of different characters from a particular genre, and it is anti-trip shoes for every horror movie character. <laughs> well, every potential victim. <laughs> right. So because as we always know, they run and they trip. And when you think about it, you know, if you're running, a, you know, somewhere, how often do you actually trip? Right. Running? Right. Exactly. So that's what no, I. Get. I it's- that's a good one because that is, you know, I, there are some occasions where it's okay, but it, it really is a cliche where it's like, yeah, you know, you're running from this slow moving killer. And then what happens? Of course, they have to let the killer catch up to you. So you trip on a tree branch or you trip on, you know, nothing. That's my favorite. And they're just running and they yeah. just trip and you're like, come on. And then you spend about a minute just on the ground, you know, sort of backpedaling with the hand, hands and feet. Yeah. Right. Instead of getting up, they do that like shuffle backwards crab walk thing. You're mm-hmm. like, just stand up and run again. Yeah. That is a good one. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, my last one, my last Christmas gift is for Detective Mills. That would be Brad Pitt's character in Seven. And it doesn't it doesn't really matter what the gift is. I just know I'm going to give it to him in a gift bag because you do not want to hand Detective Mills a gift <laughs> in a box. That's that's a What's bad in the idea. Box? Exactly. What's in the box? It's a bad idea. So just gift bag for Detective Mills and everything will be all right. What's in the box? <laughs> so... <laughs> I need to watch that again. That's a cl- classic film to watch at Christmas. Oh yeah, that's that's a great <laughs> Christmas film. Just get gather the family around the fire. It's and got everything. It's got presents. Throw on seven. It's got, it's got, uh, Hook, yeah. hookers being too, killed. Yeah, it's too soon for Kevin Spacey jokes. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, my my last one then is uh, covers uh, covers a couple of films, but it is. Detailed safety protocols for what to do when entering a previously unexplored environment for the crew of the Prometheus and the Covenant. <laughs> Thank you. That is the best gift ever. I don't wait. I don't know what you're saying. Are you saying that the highly trained scientific and military people on board those ships have no clue what to do when they encounter an alien oh, life form? God. Oh, God. I'm my head. Already. Let's fly, you know, billions of miles and then get to a planet. And then suddenly we've got to land on that planet straight away and then land... You know, instead of surveying it and doing scans and stuff. Right. And then we'll oh, then take off our helmets and touch aliens yeah. with our bare hands. Oh. and It says we can breathe the air. Breathe, that means right. take our helmets off. Right. No, because there could still be pathogens and all sorts of bacteria. Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> that's my favorite one, Phil. So, yeah, that's it. So it. They probably had them on the system, but they just didn't bother reading. Right, right, exactly. Idiots. God. That's how idiots ruin a film. That's true. That's true. Or two films in this case. Two films, yeah. Uh, Very good. Very good. All right. There you go. Well, there you go. Those are our uh, Christmas gifts for movie characters that we would like to give out. I think those were uh, a lot of fun. Yes, certainly were. And don't don't be afraid to get in touch and share what Christmas presents you'd like to give to some of your favorite movie characters or movie characters you hate. What would you? What would be the ideal gift for some of them? Yes, yes, we'd love to hear from you. Please do yeah. send in a note and tell us what you think. Yeah, so if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at after underscore the ending, uh, on facebook.com slash after the ending podcast, on the various podcast places you're listening to as well, also on one SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. So you can leave comments on some of those various ones. And Mike, do you want to tell them the email address? Yep, it is after the ending at verizon.net. There you go. So let us know what you think. 
Yeah, about this episode or anything else you want to. Indeed. All right, then. Let's move on to our 100 years of Hollywood in 100 episodes, wherein we take a particular year of Hollywood history and we share our top 10 films from that year. But this week, as it's our special Christmas episode, we are doing an entire decade, and it is our top 10 Christmas movies of the 1980s. Yes, and it's uh, not as easy as you'd think, actually, this one. No, it's not. You know, you think 80s and Christmas movies go hand in hand, but it turns out there were actually very few Christmas films made in the 80s. A lot of TV movies and Mm. a lot of um, animated. And TV specials and things like that, yeah. Yeah, a lot of TV specials, but very few actual feature films that are Christmas movies. So uh, I, I got a little liberal with my list, but I kept it pretty pretty tight, I think. Yeah, they're all, they're all, collect, all mine are connected to Christmas. Yeah, yeah, mine too. But I have to say that I, I, I definitely had to put a few on there that are not favorites because I just wanted to fill up that, that 10 spot. Yeah, yeah. Okay then, so Mike, do you want to kick things off? Sure. My number 10 is one of the most beloved Christmas movies of the 1980s, and I do not really like it. <laughs> it is a Christmas story. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you'll shoot yeah. your eye out and the leg lamp and all that stuff that everyone loves. Uh, here's the thing. I, I didn't grow up watching Christmas movies. I wasn't raised in a Christmas household. Um, and so I never saw this movie till I was in my 20s. And I'll tell you, without having grown up watching it as a kid, it is it is a hard watch. Um, there's a few funny moments. I'll give it that. And that's why I can justify putting it on my list. But I, I'm really not a fan of that movie. And I know that everyone listening is going, what? It's the greatest Christmas movie ever. And it's it's really <laughs> not. If you didn't grow up with it, it's it's a tough slog, I think. Uh, I, I just don't find it nearly as funny as most people do. But it squeaks in there at number 10 just because the 80s didn't offer a lot. Yeah, I uh, it didn't make my list. But I, I didn't see it for a long time. I don't think it's be- was that really that popular over here. Oh, it's huge over here. It's, uh, it's huge here. It's like yeah, a cult I, classic. Like it's one of those yeah, I know, I know it's huge like that because that's why I think two or three years ago I eventually got hold of it and said, oh, I'm going to put this on them. People are raving about it online. Put it on and I was just going, what the? Jeez. Oh, God. Yeah. I think it's one, yeah, as you say, you had to see it when you were younger. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And then, you know, because there's lots lots of childish kiddie humor, which probably would have had me laughing, you know, hysterically when I was younger. Right. I was probably too old when I first saw it. Yep, yep. So that's my number 10. So, uh, yeah, I made the list, people. So, you know, don't go complaining right, too much. That's right. <laughs> uh, my, my number 10 is One Magic Christmas, which uh, was a Disney film and stars Mary Steenburgen and Harry Dean Stanton. I always like a bit of Harry Dean Stanton. I'm Mary Steenburgen. But Harry Dean Stanton is, is like an angel who's looking over this family of uh, Mary Steenburgen as the mother and she's got two kids. And I like this because... Basically, her life goes to crap. Her husband disappears or gets murdered. People die. She loses all the money. The house is going to get repossessed and things like this. And you're watching it going, this is this is about to be Christmas film. What's going on? And you just feel so depressed. And then things sort of turn around. But even then, at the end of it, you're going, what have I just watched? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and you, you feel you're in tears like lots of Christmas films do. And you just go, oh, my God. And, you know, there's the Christmas spirit and hope at the end. But, God, first time I saw that, I was just going, what the hell is this? But I actually quite enjoyed it. And I've seen it again since. And once you know how dark and, and sad it gets, it's uh, it actually works quite well. I have to say I'm not really actually that familiar with that film. Well, just Harry Dean Stanton basically sits in a tree for a lot of it, playing a harmonica, wearing a big hat. Oh. And uh, it's pretty cool, but it's good. Okay. Well, good to know. Yeah. I will check that out. Worth checking maybe, out. Maybe, yeah. maybe I will. But be, be prepared. Be prepared for depression. 
<laughs> That's my favorite thing to prepare for. Yeah, especially Christmas. Oh, absolutely. I like nothing better than to get horribly depressed at Christmas time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay, what's what's your number nine? My number nine is my one sort of semi-cheat. It was a TV movie, but I'm putting it on there anyway because I don't have much choice. Uh, it is the best Christmas pageant ever. Um, and I have to say, it's not one I remember all that well. I know I've seen it, but I am a huge fan of the book. The best Christmas pageant ever. It's about a teacher who takes this sort of like yeah. uh, the worst kids in school, the kind of, you know, the kids from the wrong side of the tracks and puts them in as the stars of the Christmas pageant. Everybody else is really upset. But then, of course, they learn about acceptance and all of this stuff. And it's a really funny book. And I always loved it since the time I was a kid. And this was the first adaptation of it I ever saw. And maybe one of the few adaptations of it. it, it I don't I don't think it's ever been done as like a full scale movie. Um, but I always love the story. So that's my number nine. We're just treading water for the first couple of these. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I saw that one when I was doing the list, but uh, I'd never actually seen the film, so I don't know. I've seen it. Uh, yeah, my number nine is Silent Night, Deadly Night. Very which good. Which is, uh, yeah, an American slasher movie, uh, basically about a young kid who's told, you know, about the whole naughty and nice thing and Father Christmas is always looking. Then his family get killed by uh, a thief in a, a Santa suit, so he's traumatized, and then he grows up, and then he puts on a Santa suit and starts killing people, you know, Christmas slasher movie. Sometimes you want a bit of horror at Christmas, and it does work well. And uh, I, quite, I quite like this one. It's very cheesy now. It has it hasn't aged all that well, but it's still got some great kills. And I like the whole concept of you know the Father Christmas is the one who's doing all the killing. Yeah, yeah, excellent choice. Thank you very much. All right. Well, my number eight is a Christmas Carol starring George C. Scott. Sort of the uh, you know traditional Ebenezer Scrooge story, goes to Christmas past and all that. Um, I don't know that it's a, a favorite of mine. I can't say I've seen it in a long time, but I mean it's a Christmas Carol. It's Charles Dickens. You can't really go wrong with that. So that's my number eight. And it's also my number eight. That same film. Oh, look at that. I, I quite like this one. Uh, George C. Scott was very good as Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, but as, you know, it's Christmas Carol, we know the story, it's been made so many times. Right, and they yeah, tend to blend together for me, that's why I think it might not have been higher on my it, list, yeah. because I couldn't remember how much I liked this one. But what's funny, you know, there's always the complaints, people go saying, oh my god, the remake in this film, the remake in that, but whenever there's a new mention of a Christmas Carol, people usually go, oh, lovely. Well, I've never understood yeah, that. I think it's just such a timeless story that you know mm. that you really can't, you can't really make a bad version of it. That's a good point, but I just always, yeah, the whole remake thing. Right. This one, no, but this this was a good one, a more serious one probably than some of the other ones, but uh, no, it's good. Also starred David Warner, Frank Finley, and Susanna York. There you go. Oh, and Edward Woodward, because uh, I was like, well, yep, yep. there you go. Well, speaking of remakes of A Christmas Carol, my number seven is Mickey's Christmas Carol which is, of course, the Disney version of A Christmas Carol starring Mickey Mouse. Uh, yes. And, you know, I mean, this isn't really a big surprise. Everyone knows I'm a big Disney fan. This is one I've actually seen a few times, though, and I really like it. It's a it's a well-put-together. It's not a full feature-length film, uh, so obviously it's a little bit of a cheat, but uh, it's long enough that I think it counts. And um, it really does a good job of capturing the, the, the original story, but also having all those great classic Disney characters in it. So uh, I, I really enjoy it. It's, a, it's kind of a classic for me. Yeah, it's, uh, it didn't quite make my list because... I, I, know, I think I've seen it, but I couldn't remember exactly what. Well, I know what happens in it, but I couldn't remember <laughs> right. it with any, uh, with any, you know, detail, clarity. Yeah. So yeah, I got you. Didn't make my thing. My number seven. It's a lovely story about a, a man who's lost everything, and then he, uh, through the help of his best friend, brings everything together and finds the true meaning of Christmas. It is Lethal Weapon. Ah, very good. I did not think of that one actually. Yeah, well, it's uh, that would have made it's my set list. Christmas. It is definitely. It's got a, it's got a scene with loads of Christmas trees, Christmas lights everywhere. Yeah, and he does find the true spirit of Christmas at the end. He find he finds a home, a family, and you know, and warmth and kindness, and that's what Christmas is all about. It's probably 
one of the purest Christmas films you can find. I I, I don't know about <laughs> that, but I I would say it is a very good choice. I do love Lethal yeah. Weapon, no, it, and I just yeah, Lethal, Lethal Weapon, the first one, so much fun. Yeah, uh, just yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, Lethal Weapon. There you go. Very good. Well, my number six is also a Christmas adjacent film, if you will. Uh, it is Trading Places, starring Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy, um, which also takes place at Christmas time and has plenty of Christmassy scenes. Uh, and it's funny, and it's uh, kind of a good '80s comedy. And it's not really a Christmas movie per se in terms of the traditional Christmas movies, but it it works for the purposes of this list. So that's why it's on there. An excellent choice. Uh, my number six is, uh, it's like a Christmas special over here. I think I've mentioned it in the past for something. But it's The Snowman, uh, based on the, the book by Raymond Briggs and introduced by David Bowie. But it's all it's an animated short, it's about 20 minutes long, about a kid who builds a snowman and then it comes to life. And they go flying off into the sky and end up at the North Pole and have a party with, with Father Christmas. It's a, Oh, yeah, you yeah, did mention that once. Be- beautiful animation Uh a beautiful little story, and it's uh, yeah, it's just a, a classic little bit of Christmas. I have not seen that still, but I will have to track it down. Yes, it is. It's uh, it might even be online. No, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look. Yeah. All right, well, my number five is, once again, speaking of remakes of A Christmas Carol, (laughs) it is (laughs) Scrooge, starring Bill Murray, uh, which is a movie I I really enjoy. It's a lot of fun. It's it's a a very uh, 80s update on A Christmas Carol, uh, and that's actually, I think, part of the reason it didn't land higher on my list, even though it's a movie I enjoy. It's really very, like, 80s. It was late 80s, but it's... It's very, yeah, very yeah. 80s. Um, so it's it's a fun film, but I, I don't know that it's it's aged as well in terms of... I mean, the story holds up. There's just a lot of trappings that are so stuck in the time period. So I like the film. Bill Murray is funny in it, um, and it's it's a lot of fun. So that's why it's at number five. I think that's a pretty good place for it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my number five, you already mentioned it. It is Trading Places. Cool. Because it is... This this one is still hilariously funny. Yes, it does. It's so many, so many great moments. I mean, it is, it is very Christmassy because, you know, you've got the bit with Dan Aykroyd wearing a Santa Santa suit, the bit when he's he's eating the uh, the fish on the bus and he's got the hairs, all the nylon hairs pulling into his lip. Oh, it always always really, oh, it makes my skin crawl. But yeah, lots <laughs> of stuff going on. Uh, really funny. Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy were the top of the game making this one. I think it was just uh, John Landis directed the hell out of it. Jamie Lee Curtis was brilliant and gorgeous. Dan Elliott was so cheeky. I uh, just. No, I really, yeah. I I need to watch it again because it's been a few years since I've seen it. Sure, sure. Likewise. But it's, uh, just, it just it makes me laugh out loud, though, so many places. Yeah, can't argue with that. All right, well, my number four is another one that is probably number one on many other people's lists, and it is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is just about as Christmassy as a film gets, and um, I like it. It's, it's not like a real, real favorite of mine. I'm not one of those people who watches it every Christmas. Um, every few years, if it comes on, I'll come across it. I, it's funny. It certainly has a lot of funny moments in it. I don't know that I think it's as great as some people do. Uh, I'm just digging this hole deeper and deeper, but um, but I like it. It's, it's a fun film, and so uh, you know, in a, in a week 80s, it comes in at number four on my list. Fantastic. Well, my number four is Gremlins. Excellent. Which is a very Christmassy film, indeed, because it's all about you know, because the whole the whole plot is because the dad's buying uh, Gizmo as a Christmas present yep. for his son. Yep. And then we go, you know, we got that beautiful Christmas story that Phoebe Cates tells us <laughs> about what happened to her yep. her father. Yep. Yeah, which you know really hits hard. But no, it's supremely Christmassy, and it's as we said, it's like a, you know, it's a Christmas horror story. Yeah. Well, black comedy, black you know, but kids kids horror, but it still stands up. It's uh, the fact he made practical effects. I think it's still 
would you know work so well when you watch it again. Right. Uh, it's so many great moments, cool characters, uh, and yeah, it's a classic. Indeed it is. A modern day classic. All right. Well, my number three is a film that has already appeared on your list, and it is Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mm, I thought it might uh, be a bit high Christmas on list, yeah. slasher film. Yeah, you know what? I really like this movie, actually. And here's the thing. You know, this film was, like, banished from movie theaters, and, you know, it was one of those sort of, like, whispered about films. You'd see it in the video yeah. store, yeah. but it was in the, like, you know, behind the counter. You couldn't rent it. Like, it was a big deal that it got, like shut down, even though it actually made a lot of money in its opening weekend, but then it got removed from theaters, and it's kind of got this whole history behind it, and um, I never saw it for a long time until about uh, five or six years ago, when they put it out on DVD as like a special edition, and you sort of realize that, you know, that's right, yeah, it's yeah. not that big of a deal, and you watch it now, and it's not that, you know, hardcore like people thought it was. I think the big problem, of course, was that it was Santa, you know, someone dressed as Santa killing people, but um, it's funny because you said it doesn't really hold up that well, but I think it actually does, but it holds up in the same way as like those early Friday the 13th or Halloween movies. Well, not Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Because Halloween's yeah. a masterpiece, but like the, some of the sequels where it's like, it's cheesy, but it has that 80s slasher cheesiness feel to it that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's just, yeah. So that, yeah, it is fun. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I really like that about it. It was actually when I finally watched it, I wasn't expecting much because I just kind of figured it was this lame 80s, you know, slasher flick, and I actually really enjoyed it. So, um, so that's why it's number three for me. No, ex- excellent. I can see why. Uh, this is uh, my number three is one you've already mentioned. It is Scrooged. Cool. Directed by Richard Donner. Uh, I just, I like this purely because, you know, Bill Murray is just so good in it. Right. Uh, I just, and it's just, I, I like the, the whole twist on the whole Scrooge thing. It works well. Uh, the the use of the ghost is pretty cool as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I love the whole romance between him and uh, Karen Allen when you see them, you know, how they first met. You know, the classic movie thing of bumping into each other and stuff like that. Also, Robert Mitchum is cool. You know, we've got to have TV shows for cats. Cats love TV, <laughs> right, all that stuff. Right. But uh, yeah, I just really like it. Uh, but because Bill Murray, everyone loves he's him. He's just he's he's just so good in it always. He is. He is good in it for sure. He's so good at acting manic. Yes. Uh, but also trying to keep it together. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. That's my number three. Very good. Well, my number two has already appeared on your list, and it is Gremlins. Uh, like you said, it's very Christmassy, uh, and it's you know it's a, just a classic, great film. I mean, it really was sort of very different from any movies we'd really seen at that point. You know, it was kind of a kids horror movie, as you put it, yeah, which there yeah. wasn't a lot of really at that point. It was something that you could watch as a kid, and it maybe scared you a little bit, but it wasn't like certainly wasn't like Silent Night, Deadly Night. You know, it wasn't a scary, scary movie, uh, but it's a lot of fun, a lot of great humorous moments, and Christmas runs all throughout it. So it uh, certainly earned a place on this list. Yeah, and doing this list has reminded me that I do own it on Blu-ray, so I want to get that watched this week when I'm wrapping some presents. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Lovely. Okay, my number two, it's been on your list already. It is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Very good. Uh, because it is very funny. It was back when, you know, Chevy Chase had the one chin. No, that was cruel. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it was back when, you know, it's Chevy Chase, you know, classic-looking Chevy Chase when he was funny and he'd do that whole... I love the whole bit with his in work and he got Randy, his cousin, turning up. But it does, it also, because it's it's about family coming together at Christmas, we can all relate to that and the trials and tribulations that that can do with some of the family members and the whole stress of getting the meal ready and the Christmas tree and, and the elderly relatives and things like that. We, there's all there's moments in the film that we've all gone through. Right. But obviously this, it's been pushed up to, all the way up to 11, spinal tap yeah. thing, okay, yeah. whatever. But uh, I just, I really like it. Uh, I just... The bit, the, the bit with the lights, putting the lights on and just the the whole, all those scenes around that. Yes. Are some, I think are some of my favorites, putting the decorations up. Right, right. 
but uh, that's my number two. Yeah, yeah, it is a good film. I do like it. I, I shouldn't. Uh, I mean, it was my number four. So yes, yes, certainly was. No, don't, don't, don't worry. I think our number one could be the same. I have a strong suspicion that it it might be. Yippee ki yay! <laughs> I can't wait to hear what it is. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. My number one is Die Hard. Yes, one of the best Christmas films of all time. Anybody says different is an idiot. Well, I guess I'm an idiot then, Phil. Because uh, <laughs> here's the thing: I put it as number one on my list because this wasn't. A, I I expected there to be more Christmas movies than there were from the 80s. Yeah, than there yeah, weren't. no, I know what you mean. So this was yeah. a, an easy choice for number one. But but and I know people are like to. It's become this sort of big online thing, like oh, Die Hard's the best Christmas movie of all time. But I don't consider Die Hard a Christmas movie really. And but. So why is it number one on my list? Because it was the best choice, and it, it is very Christmassy in, its, in that it takes place that time. But I know when people – the reason it's not a Christmas movie is when people talk about a, quote, Christmas movie, they don't yeah, mean yeah. Die Hard. So you can say it's a Christmas movie because you like to watch it at Christmas time or because it takes place at Christmas. But it's not a Christmas movie in what terms of – what people are, are terming a Christmas movie, traditionally speaking. A Christmas movie is a movie that revolves around Christmas, and Die Hard does not do that. It is not well, although, about Christmas. It is not about... Although you're, you're forgetting that John McClane is practically Santa Claus. <laughs> because he makes a list, he checks it twice to find out who's naughty and nice, uh-huh. and then he kills all the people on the naughty list, <laughs> yeah. which you've, you've already done. Just like my Santa uh, And when, when the hostages are downstairs, they hear above them such a clatter oh, when he opens fire with a machine gun that he stole. Uh-huh. And also, he goes down a chimney a few times, you know, uh, maybe ventilation shaft right, yeah. still a chimney. Yeah, all right. And he goes flying off the off the roof. Okay. It's actually a metaphor for Christmas. Okay. Well, that's a bit of a stretch. But anyway, so uh, it is my number one because it's the best movie, the best action movie of all time, and it happens to take place at Christmas time in a, in a weak decade, so it's easy to put it at number one. But as far as I'm concerned, it is not a Christmas movie in terms of what most people think of when they're talking about Christmas movies. So I'm a little uh, bit my, of a dichotomy my, there. No, but in my opinion, it is a really good Christmas film. But like you, it's one of the best action films of all time. And it's still, I watched it last year. I'll be watching it again this year, you know, because it's a Christmas tradition. Uh, and it's just, it's still, it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how well it still holds up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. a fantastic film. And Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber is one of the all-time best villains. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hands down. Brilliant. Yes. All right. Well, that is our list then of the top 10 Christmas films of the 1980s, if you can call it that. It is a. Yeah, but get get in touch, though, just in case there are some that we just have totally forgotten about. Yeah. You know, some classic Christmas film which has just slipped by, or the, the, the Christmas film which you've loved since you were a kid, but nobody else has ever heard of. Right, right. Get in touch, and because uh, we'd love to hear it, because. As we, I, we were both surprised at uh, the lack of Christmas movies from the 80s. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was well, a weaker, weaker decade yeah. than I expected it to be for, for yeah. just for sheer output. I thought I'd be, you know, I'd have too many to choose from. Yeah, yeah, that was not the case. <laughs> mm. So, all right, cool. Well, that is going to wrap up things here for our Christmas episode. Do not forget, it is our last episode of the year. We're going to take about two or three weeks off. We will be back in early January, and we're going to kick things off with our top 10 films of 2017. So it'll be this year's films. It'll be all our favorites of that. Don't know what movies we're doing yet. We'll figure that out. We'll surprise you with something in the new year. Yeah. Uh, But that is going to to bring us to to a close just about. Yes. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening 
all year as well. It's been it's been a good year. It's been eventful. Indeed. And it's uh, next year. It's onward and upwards where we'll be hitting our hundredth episode at some point. That's right. It won't be too far away. So yes. uh, so thank you again and happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody listening. We appreciate you as always. There's my Foley effects man, Phil. That's a real <laughs> that's a real live in person special effect by the way. That is not computer wizardry. It is yeah. These are real bells, people. That's right. I want to stop it now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on that note, then, we'll bring it to a close. So thank you, as always, for listening. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next year, I guess. Yeah, see you next year after the ending. Yeah, I'm just moving the mic, so hold on. not moving you, Mike. I'm moving my (laughs) mic. Oh, Phil, you move me on a weekly basis. <laughs> what kind of movement, though? <laughs> well, I was trying to keep it vague on purpose, but... Uh, it keeps drooping. It keeps you're... falling down. Uh, it, won't stay, it won't stay erect. I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that. It sounds like a personal problem. Oh, here. No, no, no. no. It's, the, uh, it's the arm from my, my mic. Just uh, If it's too far out, it all starts drooping. Yeah, that's that's okay. I fix it. I think it just needs tightening. I need uh, to have a good. I need to have a good screw on it. <laughs> <laughs> Phil is saucy tonight. <laughs> it's gonna be a Smoking. fun episode. <laughs> yeah, for the Christmas episode. Yeah, I thought <laughs> right. we're we're gonna go hard R rated for the yeah, Christmas episode. Bring it on! Hey kids! Hey everyone! Tis the season. It's the annual after the ending Christmas episode. Wholesome family <laughs> fun. I'm Rowdy Santa. I want to punch everyone. No diggity, no doubts. I don't know what that's from. That's me being street. I think it's from like some rock song. Are we back to that? Yeah. Merry Christmas and happy crap bags, everyone. Yeah. Hey, everybody, you got a crap crap bag under the tree? <laughs> oh, this episode is taking us to weird places. Uh, what have we got in a crap bag, Cletus? <laughs> and it's only going to get weirder. Chris, said Fred. Is that you? Wait, Chris what, nodded. What was that sound effect? That- that, that was me turning the page. <laughs> yeah, no, here's where we have like a really cool little theme intro to it. Mighty Morphin, Mighty Mighty Morphin, Mighty Feature. Well, I'm sorry, uh-huh. I thought you said a cool theme. Well, we did have, but we lost it, so I just had to improvise that <laughs> oh, one. Okay, all right. You know, in an 80s style action movie. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, that'd be so good. Santa kills. <laughs> Get to the sleigh! <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> if uh, it jingles, we can kill it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to empty my sack on you. <laughs> oh, God. that's That takes it in a whole different direction. Yeah, let's, it does. Let's yeah. leave that one out. <laughs> you could just have yeah, just have a close-up of one of the... Uh, he throws a reindeer into like one of the uh, the mercenary camps, and the reindeer's nose starts flashing red. It goes beep, 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 and then it explodes. <laughs> like a reindeer grenade. Bomb deer. Right. <laughs> awesome.